Welcome to Bitch Talk, booze interviews straight from the heart of San Francisco. Coming to you live from the Bitch Talk studio. From the studio, I miss it here. Which we never, we are never here doing our episodes. <laughs> We're here for your ins and outs. <laughs> your ins and outs. The only meets. reason I go home. Yeah. Uh, oh, guess what? You can find us on all our socials at the bitchtalkpodcast.com website updated for your pleasure uh this is a special week of interviews bt dubs uh today's episode is with the director of generation wealth laura greenfield who we had a really good time speaking with a few months ago she's amazing it was nice to end a day of interviews because i think we had three back to back right with her um she was great uh we had a nice little convo at a really weird hotel that I hope we never have to go into. Not my again. favorite. Yeah. Oh, you guys went there recently. Sorry. And that inter. Well, well anyway. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> moving on. It must be bad juju at that place. Right. I mean, maybe we'll talk. <laughs> Although this interview was really good. This, this interview was great. Yeah, was fantastic. We, 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 let's not taint this. After, yeah, I think when we come back after the interview, we can talk a little bit. Why we don't we're not going to name the hotel, but why it was a little funny. Well, yeah, I think we might have actually we said it. mentioned it before. It was like I think after the fact, but we said, "Oh, those interviews are going to come later." Well, now it's now. <laughs> Later's <laughs> now, everybody. So um, enjoy our conversation with director and photographer Laura Greenfield, and uh, we'll be back on the other side of this on your outro. You made a film that um, is very poignant in this time called Generation Wealth. I don't know where to start. <laughs> yeah, we, we were texting each other back and forth because we watched it separately. And it was like, oh, I'm not feeling too good about this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, just, it makes you think. It makes you think. And um, I was, we grew up in this. Yeah, I mean, this is... This is our... Yeah. Watching the subjects that you went back to made me remember high school yeah I wanted to look at my photos of me back then and and remember my mindset <laughs> well you went she went to school down in LA and she's born and raised in LA so mm -hmm. I was yeah you could identify so it hit close to home yeah oh, I, those beach photos I'm like they looked so familiar yeah I guess my first question is how do you approach your subjects in general well I've always gone kind of deep and very personal with the subjects, my first project that started this work, but also really started my career, was about kids growing up in LA. And I, um, I tend to spend a lot of time and just kind of get to know people in the field, like one person introducing me to another, introducing me to their mother, introducing me to their cousin. So I work pretty organically. Over the years, I've also added research kind of components. So if I want to go to fat camp or if I want to go to an eating disorder clinic we also do a lot of research before that but inevitably it just ends up with making relationships with people and forming bonds of trust and I try to be non-judgmental in my work and really you knew my next question <laughs> keep going. tell their story yeah. and kind of let their voice be heard and I feel like people do want to tell their stories if they feel like they can tell them in a kind of safe way and um and and sometimes there are you know 
issues of, of trust that you need to work through. Like when I did my first film, it was about an eating disorder clinic. Mm -hmm. And that was a place where it really took us two years working with the clinic, working with the therapist before we set foot in the place hmm. to figure out how to do it without getting in the way of treatment so that people felt safe and um, a way that everybody was comfortable with. And then even once we were there, every week we would participate in the group therapy and people had a chance to air their concerns about the filming. and there in the clinic even once you could everybody could decide whether to participate or not and once they were participating they could always say turn off the camera right mm -hmm. now so i feel like giving people a little bit of um you know role in the process and it is a kind of dance with the subject and with me and it's all very participatory um wanting to speak about the judgmental portion and I think I'm going to only talk to and I am only talking to Generation Wealth when you focus on this this community of people and, and what they do and what they've done and how their lives are do you walk away a little bit and kind of shake your head or maybe well, a little judgmental <laughs> just kind of because it's such a different world and planet I mean I'm they, definitely I think the film and my work has a very um, strong point of view that is a critique of the culture. Right. And I'm not backing away from that. But the subjects are the kind of truth tellers that allow me to tell that story and allow the audience to get that story. So I am grateful for that, to them for being honest from the eye of the storm. And I found over the years, starting with Adam, who's 13 at the Bar Mitzvah, who says money ruins kids. Oh God, oh, those God. Bar Mitzvah pictures. <laughs> and the, oh my I God. I feel like I remembered that. As soon as I saw that story, I'm like, I remember this story. Well, it was in my first book. So yeah. it's possible that you do remember Probably it. some kind of press story or something I read and feeling kind of at you about it. But the Even thing then. is, he even though he was so in the midst of it, and he said, I also want a bar mitzvah that's $50,000, and I also need to do all these things, he also was able to say money ruins kids, and he felt money ruined him. And for me, that was very poignant to see somebody who was right in the middle of it also telling us the truth about what he thought. And, and, and my views were also aligned with his. So I feel like I, the subjects are very perceptive and insightful, and I... Um, I'm empathetic with them, but also I think they're really smart. Like, I think we can learn from them. Like Florian. Mm -hmm. I was going to bring up Florian, him him and his son. The, oh, the, yeah. the sequence of those interviews were <laughs> yes. really telling, very and telling. Florian, when I met Florian, I was oh. so excited because he, it's kind of like getting to talk with the devil. Yeah, right? yeah. very much Absolutely. so. And so, so To greedy. the degree of like, did you tell him to light that cigar and sit right, that and way? <laughs> And the backdrop. I mean, that yeah, was one not, of my friends that was who a saw it set. said it was almost pornographic. The Very film. much so. <laughs> yeah, the epitome. Yeah, it's just wow. And his son couldn't be more different. And, and the girlfriend. I love the girlfriend. Yeah. Her face Her the side whole time. <laughs> she was side eyeing him like, oh man, the yeah. stories. But the thing is, he also because he had gone to this height of greed, height of addiction, height of like nothing else in his life mattered giving up kind of his family and all of that but then crashed he's so smart and he's had this experience that when he tells us kind of the moral of the story which is the biggest cliche in the world right yeah like, money, like there's more to life than money right. money doesn't bring you happiness 
what really matters is love and friends and family. Like we all know that, but yet we don't live by it. Right. And to have somebody that so did not live by it to such an extreme bring that home to me that was really powerful that was the breakthrough moment right and i wasn't completely sure that he was going to get there and, and me neither it. you don't really know where he's going to go with this but and even at the end i also tried to keep the possibility that like we don't know if we can trust him like his when I ask his son, did your dad learn? And then we get another yeah. good side. He's eye. like, oh my God. <laughs> well, he said, right. He's, he said he's sure. not sure. He's, he's mm-hmm. not sure. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think that in a way is the question that the film poses at the end is like, we have all learned from these insights, had these crashes, had these moment of insights. There's the possibility for change. There is that undertone of hope. I, I, there I is did the hope, feel it. But uh, then there's also with that <laughs> is our, desire for change limited to the time of suffering or right. is mm-hmm. it sustained and i think that's a question like i saw after the financial crash mm-hmm. a lot of people had insights and wanted to change and there was some real change like the country of iceland is an example of right. that the fishermen is an example of that and then there's some people like florian who <laughs> have changed but if you could wave a magic wand and give him the 800 million dollars back Oh, absolutely. Would he go back? Oh, absolutely. yeah, he would. Yeah. yeah it's just course. because he's been tamed. So now he has to reflect and he's forced to. Yeah. And is Daphne going to stick with that minimum wage job or not? Like, it's a, it's, it's oh, God. hard. I'm sorry. I remember, now I'm remembering mm. her story. Mm. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, the salmonella. Uh, yeah, I, I don't even want to get Yeah, we We're not going to. Just watch, watch it. You're going to, everyone's going to watch it. But, uh, oh. I, how did you decide that you were going to make this a more personal project right. and add your family into the mix? Because your sons, let's get to your sons after you answer this question, yes. because yeah. I, they I are, love them. They're a gem. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, yeah. No, that was, that's the first part. It was really a development that I did not expect. I've never been in my movies. I, my, mm-hmm. my photography is very, um, like the line mm-hmm. documentary reportage. Mm-hmm. I'm never in it. Um, I haven't particularly liked movies where people have put themselves in it. I also don't really like essay films. This movie ended up being a little bit of everything. Yeah. But it was kind of a natural progression. I think part of it was looking back after 25 years, turning 50, kind of having my kids be, my eldest son Noah was the same age that I was when all of these ideas Mm. were starting to percolate in my head. It's kind of what I went back to as a photographer. And um, thinking about that, I just, so I realized at a certain point that I needed to be in the film as a narrator, kind of as the guide through these worlds. But it is a personal journey. I am affected by it. And I think I've always gravitated towards stories where I could somehow see a little bit of myself or identify with the subject. Mm -hmm. So I did the kids in LA when I was not, I had grown up there and was not that far from that in my 30s i got offered botox and i started thinking about aging and how we treat aging particularly of women Mm -hmm. in this culture and so there's always been that interaction and so i started putting that in the film and then i started interviewing my kids and my parents but as representatives of their generation more about you know social media and the american dream and but inevitably it turned more personal and i 
did what I always do in my interviews, which is kind of go deeper and deeper. And you mm. did with your mom and your dad your mom, and your yeah, son. Yeah, that was some intense therapy work happening I, right before us. <laughs> I was cheering up when you were talking to your mom about yeah. this affected me. And how do you think you were as a mother? I mean, well, and <laughs> how I, was it for you? It was... Um, it was intense. It was like conversations that, I mean, with both my mom and Noah, my son, I had conversations on film that we hadn't had off film. And, and that's a, what's so powerful. Yeah, and exactly. The reactions are. I provided the like, unfolding cinema verite feeling of the film because a lot of the film was like me really going back and historical and, and then also the characters also had incredible developments in their mm -hmm. life that was happening in real time. Mm -hmm. And for me to see that interaction, like, you know, when I'm doing this work, I'm thinking about these issues all the time. And so when I was talking to Florian and he was saying about how his work took him away from his family and the cost that that had, mm -hmm. and, and I'm then like when sitting there in a hotel room in Germany on my way to Iceland, thinking about what I'm missing as a mom and you know, it, my life might not be as extreme as Florian's, but I'm still on the road a lot. And as an artist, you are all consumed by your work in mm -hmm. a way that does have a cost on other people. And I think because of the all-consuming nature, I often didn't really think about what that cost was. And this project kind of forced me to look at it. And I think because my subjects had always been so honest with me and I had gone so deep with them. And in a way, like with no makeup not always flattering mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. i, I kind of had to do the same thing just raw myself well yeah. and there, there is a, uh, one part of your interview with your eldest son noah and he says something along the lines of well you know you weren't around a lot and then he pauses and he asks if you're okay yeah and i was like oh my god i i felt it i felt you behind the camera mm -hmm. hearing that maybe for the first now i'm hearing you heard that probably for the first time yeah in that context and i'm like it's, it's really powerful and it took a in a way it took a lot for me to put that in the film because yeah. at first i was like okay you know he's being a teenager and also it was like so hard to hear and it wasn't the direction of the film at that time mm -hmm. but as it evolved i realized how important that was and that in a way the hope in the end of the film comes from the characters kind of waking up and mm -hmm. us all waking up in a way to the matrix that we're in <laughs> in this culture and so i kind of had my own waking up too in terms of my family relationships and both how I've been affected. <laughs> sorry, sorry. We used to have so much to say, sorry. <laughs> and then I think the other hope came from, you know, this tension between legacy, which became a big thing in the film, and mm -hmm. agency, and like the shit that we are given and that we inherit and that we do without even thinking about it. But then there's also this possibility for choice and change. And I really wanted to leave the audience with that and not just felt like, feel like, we're going to hell on a handbasket, which we also are. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I love, we left with both, definitely. But no, then, yeah, it was both feelings. But then Gabriel, his legacy poem, I'm oh like, my you God. can't write this. Well, he did write it, but I'm like, <laughs> what are you doing to me? You're killing me. He's, he's so he's eloquent. So, and thoughtful. And th yeah, insightful. How do you, you just watch your son read something like that, and it's so emotional and, 
and vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Like you raised some great kids. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but but I love along those lines of you leaving that in, even mm-hmm. though it was hard for you. I think that's a really important part part of the film because it's easy for us to judge and say, oh, I would never be like that. But I could see a little bit of myself in all of those characters, and I think it's important to realize that we're all part of this system. We're all contributing to. The, the the problem as it were maybe some more than others but we have to see ourselves as part of it in order to be able to change it yeah i think that's right and i mean i really tried to like on the um gender side look at how the whole progression goes and how we start by playing this innocent game of dress up but we end by kind of selling our bodies and it's a continuum and we're all kind of affected by all of that. And so in a way, I tried to make sense of the girl who goes to college and then becomes a porn star because we've learned from Kim Kardashian that you can start (laughs) with a sex tape and Mm -hmm. become a mainstream star who's respected by kids and, you know, by adults also gets invited to the White House. And yeah. Yeah, I I guess stepping away from your work and looking at it and seeing that you did photograph the Kardashians and Kate Hudson, when you look at all of this work and look at where we're at now in our society, are you surprised? Well, um, I would love to say I predicted the rise of Donald Trump. I mean, obviously, (laughs) I wasn't going to say it because that's a lot of pressure, but I I kind of felt... I did not predict it, but with the benefit of retrospect, Mm -hmm. I do feel like his election and his rise was the apotheosis of generation wealth and if i go back and analyze the pictures the writing was on the walls and i didn't see it coming but it all makes sense looking back and i think that um i left like in he's he's a small part of the film but he's oh, a big yeah. part of the background of the film and mm-hmm. i think where your mind it's, goes it's an umbrella oh, yeah, it's always in the back of your mm-hmm. mind but I, kept, I, I I included this campaign speech where he says, mm-hmm. it's not about me, it's about you. And that's kind of what I wanted to leave the audience with, that Donald Trump is a symptom of us mm-hmm. and where our culture has come from. And I didn't want to make him too big as a personality because who knows how long he will be around, but he is a symptom of where we have come and in so many ways it brings together so many of the themes from celebrity to real estate to our admiration of wealth and that was one thing I mean just to be clear like sometimes people who don't haven't seen the movie they think it's about the one percent and it's not it's about how we all are aspiring to be wealthy and that that takes form in so many arenas it's not just about money but it's also about the currency of beauty and sexuality and fame and branding and Mm -hmm. basically us aspiring to be something other than we are Mm -hmm. and i think that that is kind of part of the trumpian world where he gained respect for being rich and that we kind of looked up to that as a culture and um, in a way don't hate the rich because we always imagine that will be us someday and that's kind of the reality show myth and the social media myth Mm -hmm. and and Obama called it out like 20 years ago when he said Donald Trump has this power because everybody imagines they can be a Donald Trump and if not them, their children and um, I think that 
Yeah, he, and even to the objectification of women and yep. owning beauty pageants, and then right. to the specifics of even da dating Jackie Siegel before David Siegel. Right, <laughs> and then so going back to yeah, kind of Queen of Versailles, and then having them in this film. Uh, when they when they watched that film, how, what did they say to you? The new film. Uh, the no, the their oh, the film. film. And then well, have they seen this film? Story and saga. That's a whole other. <laughs> but because what happened when David and Jackie saw Queen of Versailles? Well, Jackie came to Sundance where it opened, and she blew kisses to the audience of and <laughs> talked to the press and did the red carpet and loved the film and promoted the film with me for like two years. David Siegel did not see the film and based on the Sundance blurb, sued Sundance and myself. <gasps> Whoa. <laughs> for calling it a riches to rags story, uh, a riches to rags story without realizing that that was a quote from him in the film. So. Oh, come on. But then he said he liked the film and he, even during the lawsuit, he bought out a theater in Florida and brought all of his friends there on a party bus and introduced the film and said, it's a really good film, but none of it's true. Of course, the, <laughs> of course, they were sitting on the stage of, of Trump's the judge speech. Felt that, differently yeah. and said every word was true. Yeah, but it was like the original fake news. That is know? original wow. fake news. <laughs> wow. And then they supported Trump. Yes, they did. So, so they have you were a cameo in the forefront of all of it. <laughs> wow, that's insane. <laughs> Right, a little bit. Okay, <laughs> I feel like I feel like after twenty five years of documenting this, do you kind of just want to go to a small corner of the world and lay in a hammock and just and just kind of meditate for a few months? Like, how, how do you stay? Even well, at as you saw in the film, the work is an addiction. Yeah, I, yeah, so yeah. In my question. I do here, love yeah. what I do. Yeah, um, I'm trying to kind of just take a moment now to like enjoy it a little bit and be present as like I get to share the film and also share it get to share it with my family my kids are in town for this Aww. and they're um, doing Q&A at the <laughs> tell them we said hi oh, we're big they fans are, yeah they're so great <laughs> yeah I can't believe how open Noah was with you about particular subjects that kids just don't talk to their parents about it was crazy yeah that was like did you have to? It seems like they didn't really like being on camera. You know, they were right. always trying to turn the camera on you. Did you have to pull teeth to get these interviews? Actually not. Like when I first asked Noah to do an interview, I was pretty sure he was going to say no because he was a teenager. Mm -hmm. He said yes right away. And, um, and then the second interview, I was actually supposed to interview my mom and then she... Um, got sick and couldn't do it and I was like oh do you want to do it again <laughs> it was like sure oh. so it was nice I think the um I think one of the things we learned in the process though is that when I am with my subjects I am listening so intently to them and as a mom multitasking and being a working mom in a way you're always a little bit distracted and so I think we both realized that it was like a really intense conversation and listening that we don't have every day mm -hmm. and hmm. we've definitely started talking a lot more since then yeah that was gonna be my next day. I was gonna well I was gonna say this film felt very therapeutic too mm -hmm. so now it's opened other doors with your family members I think it was cathartic yeah I mean in a way that I didn't even realize because all of those things came up kind of unexpectedly but 
Noah did a Q&A and somebody asked him how he felt about his evolution in the film. And he said, well, my grandma at one point says, I wish we had talked about these things sooner because I think it would have improved our relationship. And he mm. said, I'm glad we got a chance to talk. And I think it did improve the relationship with me and my mom. How cute is that? Oh, <laughs> I love your son. I can't even. Yeah. You, you, yeah, your son. This is a 15 year old, 16 year old, uh, 17. 17. Uh, wow. Do you She's think, so open. Do you think after this film and, and this, the book, the book that's coming out or has come the out? The book has come out. Um, do you see your work or your focus changing in terms of what you want to photograph or I definitely feel like I can close the I can close the chapter a little bit on do this. Do you? Yeah, okay. on this particular thing and also I mean I my work was so driven by photography for so long and every film I've made has come from a photograph and all of the subjects in this film came from photographs and yet the print world is not what it was when I no. began this. Mm -hmm. And the original kind of research and work that came from print is now coming for me more from films. Mm -hmm. I feel like my process is changing. And I also tried to kind of show the history in a way of photography and going from digital analog to digital in this film too, and going through all the media. And um, so I feel like the form of my work is changing, but I'm still obsessed with the same things. And I'm sure whatever I do next will build on It'll be related. Be some related, way. yeah. Where are the exhibitions happening? Well, right now it's the show Generation Wealth is at the Nobel Peace Center in Oslo. Oh which wow! Was really exciting. Okay. Cool. <laughs> they, wow. They made a connection to peace and the environment hmm. from the work, which was really kind of an honor for me. Yeah. And it's going next to the Hague oh, in wow. um, the Netherlands, and then it's going to the Louisiana Museum in Denmark. We'll just wow. have to book a plane. All right, let's yeah, do it. Yeah. I'm down. Um, well, Lauren, thank you so much for being on Bitch Talk. We really appreciate this film. It's very timely, and uh, we hope to see more of you. And thank you for bringing up female voices. I feel like that's so important right now. Thank you. Yeah, we need a band together. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. That was director and photographer Laura Greenfield talking to us about her newest documentary Generation Wealth. We had a good time interviewing her. Uh, the hotel was funky. Um, it felt like uh, an airport. Shar said it first. I followed. I didn't know she, she said it. You couldn't find a bathroom first of all. And that then, was afterwards. And then when we did, it was covered in vomit. There was vomit. So that was oh, awesome. That's remember? That's all I can remember. And well, the woman ahead of us had a big old suitcase. She's like, there's vomit right there. And we're like, ah. Fuck. Yeah, because I remember we were like, oh, that was such a good interview. Good, yeah. good. And we opened the door like, and then oh, barf, for fuck's sake. Literally. Like, if, uh, like picture uh, like a, one of those movies and it's like Grand Central Station. You're like at this. But a hotel. Like, yeah. But yeah, it's like a, you think you're at a like. You're about to like, you know, go off to, you know, take the channel somewhere. <laughs> I wish, Char. You're going. We might as well have been. We, 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 it's like we were exactly like an airport or a train station or a bus depot or something or like that. Or the apocalypse, really. But it was a, it was a hotel. And there nothing was else just a but convention a with really gross people, apparently, that ha couldn't control their... Anything, yeah, bodily functions. Any movements? Well, it's right in the. Uh, it's 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 the center of the city. True. So, anyways, but anyway, back to Laura Greenfield. <laughs> back to Laura. We we had a good time with her. She. I love her family. Her son. Her stories about her sons. Yeah. 
And um, I, I believe they were both on tour with her. Yeah. And, and uh, she's hanging she was out. having a good time yeah. with them. And that's actually my favorite part of the documentary as well. I think it's probably the most uplifting. Te- well, parts. and telling mm-hmm. and, and interesting portion. Uh, all of it's interesting. Um, but yeah, her sons are super cute. And if you haven't seen her um, other documentary, The Queen of Versailles, try and find that too. It's kind of on the same level, just different. Um, but same topic, wealth and the wealth in America. And Anyways, I, yeah. And I would challenge you to, hopefully you'll watch this documentary, but also check yourself. Think about the kind of role that materialism and this obsession with wealth or celebrity or whatever it is, how much it it and takes over and, and how often you base your decisions on those things mm-hmm. and that chase mm-hmm. and that chronic dissatisfaction. And just check yourself. Yeah, That's it. That's a nice message. <laughs> Thank you, Angela. So Catch Generation Wealth opening uh, today in the Bay Area and selected theaters uh, across the country. And I believe it opens uh, a little wider, as they say in the biz, <laughs> next week. A little wider? <laughs> a little wider. I, it opens I, I, wide. I'm not even going to say anything. Yeah, just go on. Anyways, carry on. Catch Generation Wealth and find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com. Bitch, please.